Nothing wrong happened, by the way, when we tried to record this the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's, everything's super normal, and everything's going great. how smoothly it is. It's like, it's like beyond, like it was too good. Yeah, it was, everything good. has been good. Yeah, everything, but the time before that didn't happen was really good. But, um, yeah, you're, you're back, you're with us. It's me, it's Jonah, and I'm here with Sweet Mac. Hey, man. Hey, what's up? And uh, we're here, it's episode 8 of The Future Is Out. Um, we took a little hiatus last week, or maybe if you noticed, maybe you didn't, probably didn't, but, um, yeah, we're doing a little, a little reorganizing, uh, I fired Mac and then I rehired him and he fired me and then there was a lawsuit. So we had to sort all that out, but we're on good terms now. A lot of drama. There, yeah, it was a lot, of, it, it a lot was, of internal drama. It was confusing. It was about our bonuses. Um, I, yeah, I, uh. I think I deserve a lot, um, <laughs> and so does Mac. And you know what? The thing we realize is we both do. Um, but you know, none of that is important for you, listener. What's important for you is that we're back and we have a show for you, and it's going to be cool. It's going to be good. Um, we have several things to talk about this week. Um, Before we get going, you want to do our little that's little true. Real quick? That's true. A little futures out taskmaster. You never let me get away without doing it. <laughs> um, yeah, this is yeah. This show is the future is out. Um, as you might expect, the pun the name is a pun. Future is now, and it is now. You know, a lot of things that I feel like growing up, being a young man, a young boy, um, things that were just around the corner, electric cars. You know, the the, the future of smartphones. All these things that were just like just sort of cropping up and had big bright futures ahead of them have really sort of hit their stride in recent years and yet a lot of it sucks and there's a lot of problems with it and i think what we want to do with this show is take a look at you know why things are more and more on an individual very specific level looking like techno utopia we were all promised but when you zoom out and take everything um as one big whole it kind of sucks and there are a lot of problems with it and a lot of people aren't feeling very great um, so that's sort of the thing, and we'd like to, whenever possible, given that there's no such thing as a future without a past, look to the past in the form of history to uh, inform what we're uh, what we're wading through today, um, and show how you know there's nothing new under the sun, and if history does not repeat itself, it certainly does rhyme. Um, more on that later in the show. Yeah. Today, but first, what do you want to talk about first, Mag? Yeah, well, so much. I mean, so uh, much. So much. Before we get started, I mean, anyone who's listening on audio can't see, but Jonah has a really oh, pretty yeah. little necklace he's got going on oh, here. Oh, I thought you were gonna talk about my shirt. Oh yeah, your shirt too. Oh, don't, don't let me take away from the shirt. I got a shirt on uh, on uh, eBay. It's Atlantis. And there's no place like home. It's like a a NASA shirt. I, nice. I think it's some type of. It has some type of space shuttle cruising towards some blue planet very fitting the future it is it is fitting it's a cool shirt um and uh yeah it's mine it's not yours (laughs) don't don't get any ideas um Um, okay so what are we doing here so for today 
right? Um, I think we talked about, there's a lot of things in the news, but one thing that came up was, um, we've talked a lot in recent weeks about the question of like antitrust when it comes to like big tech, like yes. about breaking up, like are we going to break up Facebook break them up. or Apple, right? Uh, not or, or like Google or someone, right? And that's something that has, you know, both Republicans and Democrats have, like I've talked about it made noises yeah yeah so we've covered that ad nauseum and I'm sure we'll cover it again but one interesting angle that's less talked about that um this writer from the New Republic mentioned in a recent article was about okay well what about the people who power big tech in terms of the internet which is like AT&T Verizon telecom and yeah the telecoms that run the wiring um or the wireless internet that allows any of this to be possible what about them what and about them? It's a it's a interesting question. I'll open it up in a second, but it's just like I'm sure anyone listening or watching, right? Um, I would imagine you either have Verizon, AT and T, or Sprint. Well, not Sprint because Sprint, Sprint, yeah. T Mobile just like merged. With well, wait. Sprint. Let me ask you. So, yeah. like in the United States, yeah. What? What? How many companies can you get internet from? I think is it literally just Comcast, Verizon, AT and T. Well, short answer is like might as well be yes. Google Fi, but like, and shit. but like, yeah, there are a lot yeah. of options. Like, yeah, Google Fiber has a fiber fiber network. There are smaller ISP. ISP is like the internet mm-hmm. service provider, right? Whoever you get your internet from, there are smaller ones spread out across the U.S. But realistically, um, like the vast majority is owned by Comcast, Spectrum, um. And then the telcos, just like T-Mobile and like AT&T, which are getting a bigger hand in all this. Yeah, let me give it. Can I do a quick thing from this article that yeah, we were talking about? please. Um, this is Asita Nonevu in the New Republic. So he's talking about basically American Telephone and Telegraph's Bell system. Um, so like Bell Telephone. If you ever see like an old, I'm pretty sure my high school had um, like they had pay phones because uh-huh. it was like an old ass building. They're like old bell payphones and like a stall in like the like corner of the basement or not the basement, but like the first floor. And I was like, these are weird. Yeah. Well, um, I feel maybe a second of like, I don't even know if maybe people even know what bell was. You know what I well, mean? Yeah. Bell telephone was like a huge telephone monopoly. I mean, and they were, they were the like mother of all telephone companies um, for much of the 20th century. Right. And then they were broken up um, into what was known as into seven smaller regional companies known as the baby bells baby bells named after the delicious uh cheese item um that's why it had nothing to do with the name um of the company but and then basically in the interim period i think that that was in 1984 when they were broken up because they were like hey this isn't really fair um they broke them up and then in the meantime those seven companies have since coalesced back into Three and I'm. This is a, in the article. It says Lumen Technologies, Verizon, and the new AT and T. Um, I'm gonna Google Lumen Technologies because I literally haven't heard of that Century before. CenturyLink. Okay, that makes okay. more sense. Um, yeah. so literally, basically, it's like in it's like in um, it's like in a uh, Resident Evil when you there's like the guy who like you can't he's like chasing like the mega monster yeah. and you just like <laughs> shoot him a thousand times and it's like. You blow his arms and legs off, but then he just like slowly starts putting himself back together right. and you just have to run and like hide. That's basically what happened to uh, the telecom companies. And now they're back. They've reassembled. And, and guess what? It's not, it hasn't been great for, uh, you know, 
for us, us, inter- us internet junkies. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, yeah, like, this is the antitrust against Bell was, like, the the biggest, except for against Standard Oil, like, the biggest antitrust case in the history of the U.S. Um, and just like Standard Oil, right, which was broken up into, like, Exxon and into, um, like, Texaco and a bunch of other, like, smaller yeah. firms, they're all, like, coming back together as well naturally like you have I mean, like what's it like chevron and exxon is like together and now like like we said sprint and t-mobile just merged so like you know what is old is new um and what that means you know what does that fucking mean that means that like the reason why like you have such a fucking shitty time whenever like you try to interact with like comcast or spectrum or someone is because like they have their monopoly and so it kind of tied into being a monopoly is that they have no mm-hmm. reason to like care about yourself your interest right because you, you're going to come back to them because you have no other options and i think like the point that this writer is making with at&t and verizon is just that like um and we, we can go into this more but like in the last couple of years right you may have noticed that like if you have a, an at&t account for example like you get hbo like included or you get like certain things yeah, included, like Verizon a... they partner with like Netflix and essentially like because of like us getting rid of like net neutrality rules these tel- telco companies have bought like media companies and a bunch of other companies and they're just able to like just conglomerate and become bigger and offer you like these different like quote deals yeah it's but- like it's like classic it's like vertical integration you know mm-hmm. it's like not only are we selling the the what the, the broadband by which you're consuming content like now we're selling the content too right. and we're selling like the fucking hardware that you that you consume it on and like it's yeah i mean that's just like the, the thing and like you know spoiler alert later later in the episode we're going to hear a little bit from our from our guy uh vladimir lenin not to get too tanky on everyone but uh you know he does say he did point out that um in a in uh you know back in the day that the tendency of companies is to become anti-competitive and to form monopolies. Right. I mean, and it's true. Like, it, why would you compete? Why, why would you want to compete and be forced to reduce prices and forced to, you know, become more efficient when you can just agree to, you know, <laughs> have, have customers or consumers at the whim of however much you want to charge? And goddamn, it's certainly the case that anyone who's, you know, been a consumer, so basically everyone of, you know, uh, of one of these telecom companies it's like you know it's the most just like demoralizing and brutalizing experience trying to be a customer of them um so you know they, they clearly have us by the have us by the balls yeah i mean that makes sense and it's like the same it the logic behind like why you can even have like this is like last year when t-mobile merged with sprint like the logic behind why that would even like happen in the first place is really flawed because the idea was that like well the other companies are already so big that you need to make them bigger in order for them to be able to compete with with like an at for example <laughs> cool, which yeah. then you like you follow that to its conclusion and you just have the situation where it's like you know i don't know the percents right now but it's like it's the vast majority of people who have cell phones right they they use either like t-mobile AT&T or Verizon. Yeah. Just, they're all pretty much the same thing and they all fuck you the same way. And it, it stands to reason, right, that the same reasons why like people in the common language are more receptive to break quote breaking up like Google, the same logic can be applied to like 
T-Mobile or AT&T, right? Arguably even more clearly. More so because, much more so because this is the point. And like, no one could say with a straight face that like the, like access to the internet is anything other than like a critical utility. Like you move into an apartment and you get fucking electricity and water and heat and gas. Like internet is absolutely among those because you cannot live in the United States right today. Um, uh, barring exceptional cases without access to the internet. I mean, everything right. is done on the internet. It's like jobs, everything. I mean, granted, we've all, been, I mean, we've all been working from home for a fucking year. So it's like clearly something that's not a luxury. And therefore it's already been established that stuff that isn't like a luxury in that way is a public utility. It's, and it's not, I mean, there are private companies, I guess, in the case of like Con Edison or whatever. Right. But like they're it's 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 tightly kept in hand about like how much they can get away with in terms of like, you know, uh extracting money from you and like, you know, making you giving you the runaround and so forth. And like internet should absolutely be that. I mean, broadband should be a utility because and yet it's very much not. And not only is it not, like and I think you were gonna mention this before, right? Like the whole net neutrality thing, which I remember was like the big you know like uh cause on the internet of mm-hmm. like like guys like do you like uh you know watching like car restoration and <laughs> jacking off on the internet like please yes. listen to me and everyone was like what fucking shut up i'm jacking off i'm watching car videos and then uh lo and behold it it happened and so net neutrality if you remember that is no longer a thing and what it was was basically the inability tell me if i'm right net neutrality made it so that like service providers like Mm -hmm. verizon and so forth um weren't able to like discriminate in terms of like how much speed or how much access they gave you to right like a website or something based on like what the website was and like whether or not they owned it for instance (laughs) right exactly i mean yeah that's dead on it's just like they're under net neutrality they are like the roads right and like you can't choose like who what car is the fast lane and since it's been down right and this goes into the whole topic of like should there be like a breakup of these companies since there's been no longer neutrality like you have all these partnerships with like the internet providers with media companies and with other other companies and they Mm -hmm. essentially are like both having the roads and like getting to decide like which cars um have the most access to it and and one last final point why it's interesting right this happened yet last week so we mentioned earlier that like you have AT&T, AT&T owns Time Warner Cable, which owns HBO. You get like HBO Max as a AT&T customer without the thing is that like you can stream as much as it as you want and like they won't add it to your But data. if you want to do Netflix. Yeah, like... it goes to your data, which like they'll charge you for it. But <sighs> now like they're lo- no longer doing that because a couple of years ago, California passed its own net neutrality law after the U.S. got rid of theirs, which was actually stricter than, like, the U.S. standard. And it just went into effect, like, a couple weeks ago. And AT&T came out and they said, like, in, like, really bitchy terms, they were like, um, well, all our loving customers who loved our HBO Max feature, sorry, because of this shitty California net neutrality law, we're not going to be able to give you the thing you want anymore. Yeah, like, and so they, we'll so they stopped to, doing it. Like, you we'll can't do it anymore. Ruin it. Yeah. AT&T was like, uh, okay, like, yeah, whatever. I guess, yeah, I guess I'll just kill myself. <laughs> it's pretty you don't much. Fucking, okay. Pretty oh, much. really? You just, all right. No, 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 no. It's fine. I'll just fucking go die. Or 
That's it's pretty, pretty shit. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. And also, like, uh, Asita and Asita and Ava in this article was pointing out that, like, it's just vertical integration gone fucking mad. I mean, like, AT&T owns CNN and, you know, fucking Warner, AT&T subsidiary Warner Bros, you know, owns 18 to 20 of the biggest, like, movies that came out in the last year, including Justice League and fucking uh, the Fred Hampton movie and all this stuff. So it's just like, and this is another thing I wanted to, this is sort of crazy. It's like, you know, we don't have like all of these, like all of this like media and even including like old classic movies and stuff or like, you know, television shows and stuff. It's like, no one really has them. They're all just like, we're paying for access to them. Right. Which is sort of a new phenomenon in a way, like back from like, I guess you used to buy a DVD. Um, and like they have the power to like change and edit them unilaterally and like sh- change like the cut or like the di- like the cut of the film that you watch or or not show it at all for for whatever reason you That's know been they happening might want. last year right with like with like a lot of like the black lives matter like movement like a bunch of I'm not saying this is a bad thing but it's like a bunch of like providers have been taking like those classics off like because they have the power yeah. to do so now yeah like, yeah, yeah. You can't, it's you true just can't access it like yeah you i mean can't like, get gone with the wind anymore unless you went on ebay and bought like a dvd you can't it, get right? gone with the wind no they got rid of it hbo got rid of it they canceled gone with the wind yeah, or whoever i don't know if it's hbo but whoever was like the provider mm-hmm. for it got um got rid of it um that kind of sucked anyway but yeah that's weird um but yeah that's the thing i mean it's, it's like whatever the cause or thing i mean it's just like so much power of like not only how you consume stuff but like what you can get anymore like because it's like yeah like hbo or like via you know or like what is it i can't even keep them all straight but like there's so many time warner fucking hbo blah 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 (laughs) they own like some beloved movie of yours and like if for whatever reason it just was like became impolitic or in and uneconomic for them to like show it it's just gone they could just have it be gone forever um, which right. is certainly a different case from when you used to have like, you know, DVDs and shit. But whatever. I mean, so 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 it goes. I mean, I guess yeah, we should probably break up the telecom companies. It sounds like it's um, never gonna happen though. Eh, I probably mean, not. But I don't know. I mean, you can certainly like. It does seem like under the new FCC or whatever, you might get some more net neutrality. That's um, true. Friendly stuff happening. Well, um, we should we should move on. But because you mentioned should, it, yeah. I want to just tell you. Um, you mentioned like the, you know the pretty like obvious idea of like why isn't internet utility surprisingly like this was like this i i apologize for not knowing his name right now but last two weeks ago a democratic legislator passed like a new or author a new bill which would do exactly that but it would make internet a utility for like people who live in government assisted housing which would like what that does is like if you if you're in government assisted housing right now like you you get discounts on like water and gas right and so this mm-hmm. would do the same thing for internet which like that actually from what i've read is like has a decent chance of passing which is like that's something, a good start right? yeah i mean you know it should be for everyone i mean because like yeah you it's not really a luxury anymore you kind of have right. to have it um to watch our show live on instagram <laughs> um moving on there's another crazy weird arcane thing that we i don't want to spend too much time on because it is just like gobbledygook but it's fucking weird <laughs> that's a great way of describing it <laughs> there's so i was reading this article i think in the new york times about SPACs, which are um special purpose acquisition companies um and basically like this is something i've been harping on for a while too of like 
there's just like so much money. I mean, like, you know, all of this capital accumulation, all of this like upward transfer of wealth, you know, like these tax cuts and like, oh, everyone, all this shit you see on Instagram, like, oh, do you know they're like, you know, how many billionaires like doubled their wealth in the course of the pandemic? It's all true, but it's just like, okay, it raises an interesting question. Like, yes, that's obviously bad. Like, um, all of these, like all this wealth is just being concentrated, concentrated, concentrated in the very like smallest nubbin of humanity at the top but it's just like what what are they what are they doing what are they doing with it i mean it's not like elon musk has like you know however many billions just like in his checking account at like td bank so the, the 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 sort of upshot of it is there's a lot of like sketchy or just investments in companies there's a lot of capital being put into companies that really don't necessarily deserve it because like these this money needs a place to go and these things SPACs. Um, are like a really interesting byproduct of this. Um, the way they work, special pro, uh, special purpose acquisition companies is essentially a company gets formed. It's like a full empty shell company. It does nothing. It has no offices. It's just uh, exists on paper, and it gets public. It gets investment from you know investors. It's a publicly traded. It's it's a publicly yes exactly. It's a publicly traded company that so people will buy shares of and these things get pumped up very quickly to like you know you know tens of millions of dollars uh, valuations and the whole premise is that what they will do is before um you know without anything specific in mind they'll just go out and try to gobble up like a private startup like a tech startup usually Mm -hmm. um and once they in in so doing in in taking over or like it's not a hostile takeover but in buying a company that's thinking of going public you know they just like meld with them and then all boom instead of having to do like an ipo and an initial public offering this once private company is just suddenly public by merit of being absorbed by the other company um and it's a sketchy thing because it has a lot of money it's this money that needs somewhere to go and it's just like once these companies are made to exist and people have invested in them, it they really can't just like dissolve and say like, hey, you know, like we found some, we looked, but there's really like nothing so hot right now. It's like, right. no, they fucking find something. And they have investors now. And right. they have investors. Like- and all of a sudden these companies are made public and they're publicly traded. They have a stock, obviously. The price goes up and down. Their people expect dividends. It are traded on like you know the confidence of their of their tech or their underlying soundness, and the 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 upshot has been just like a lot of like sketchy, shitty, like really harebrained schemes, um, in the form of companies that all all of a sudden have like multi billion dollar valua- valuations. Right. And I want to point out the one that I was reading about that's just really funny, <laughs> and is a good uh, sort of indicator of this. Which was Nikola, who have a, they have a sick looking truck. They're like one of the thousand new. Um, oh, I remember this one. Yeah, yeah, it looks dope. Um, but they're a they're a they're a, um, an electric car company, and like they basically got out ahead way over their skis, and they got acquired by a SPAC, and then and are now being investigated by the SEC. This the CEO has stepped down, and they're like maybe some people going to jail yeah. from defrauding their investors because. They were under so much pressure to like perform on their tech that should never have seen the light of day in the right. first place because they're just like a f- <laughs> they were just like a flimsy dog shit company. They in an investor video took their really cool truck and like rolled it down a hill <laughs> to make it look like it was like driving. 
and it just like fully was not driving. They just like put it in neutral. <laughs> and we're funny. like literally rolled it down a hill to be like, yo, check it. Guys, everything's going super great. That's funny. It's, there's so, been a lot of like car, especially EV car company. Like, yeah. R- uh, Rivian was another one and Lucid Motors that got SPACs. For whatever reason, there's a bunch of car companies that get SPACs. But. It's also funny because um, they were accused of lying initially by a, um, a, um, an investment fund. That's called Hindenburg Research, which I also thought was just like pretty <laughs> on the nose. But um, so, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. There's not too much to necessarily say about it. I mean, there's a lot of like ins and outs in yeah. terms of like, you know, why would a company want to go public? Like how does like being acquired, um, how does that, what are the risks and benefits compared with like doing a public offering and like right. being evaluated, which is like you're sort of leaving the valuation of your company to the strength of to the market to sort of collectively decide like look you know kick the tires and say right. like how much is this company worth how much is a, a is a share worth which you know say what you will at least it has like the sort of the um imprimatur of committee of mm-hmm. a bunch of people who care about where their money goes um but it, it, it in some i mean i guess what's interesting is it's just like it's very much indicative to me of another huge bubble and like yeah for you know sure. it's like a housing bubble that sure. was what crashed the economy in 2008 yeah now you have all of this money that's just like getting just injected just like you know like like squeezed into these companies that don't have any footing in reality they have yeah. no basis in reality like they don't do anything they don't do anything that's worth anything good and they have like billion dollar valuations and like eventually the bubble bursts you know yeah i guess like i mean all that yeah you did a great job explaining that i so i talked to before we did this episode i talked to my brother about this who's like a bit like he's way more averse than i am and he he had a good way of explaining it which was that like essentially with a lot of these SPACs because they're they're not they're they're a publicly traded company and like people invest in them and what you're doing like if you normally you invest in say like google because like you think what like their search is going to be so good that like they're going to make you money in dividends. Search is gonna what be you're so doing good. with like the SPAC is you're essentially investing in these people to make a good prediction on what's going to be a good company, right. which is it's like, like a totally anti yeah. and the antithesis of like what an IPO is supposed to be for like an actual company, right? Which is that you're investing in a company because they've shown a proven track record of doing something well. Here, you're just betting on speculation you're investing in the notion that there are enough there's just so much good stuff out there that like these guys will find something good without and you have no no knowledge what it is it could be like you just put a hundred million dollars into like yeah like a a, like a vi like a blue chew for dogs or something yeah and you're like okay cool i guess good luck guys i hope you invest my money well and there's like evidence now i'm sure there'll be more but like a, a bunch of the people who like run these facts are like pumping and dumping and just getting the yes fuck out, you it's know? a pump so. yes exactly like like pump and dump i.e like they get in they boost the shit out of the value of this company by having just acquired it mm-hmm. for all this money and then pay themselves a ton of money or right. give themselves like big stock dividends sell them and then just like wash their hands of it and, and make another it, spac and make another spac <laughs> and watch that thing collapse i mean yeah. they're like it's like the grim it's like the meme of like the Grim Reaper going to the different doors and just like leaving the blood, <laughs> blood trail out of each. It's pretty grim. And like, I don't know. It's just funny though. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, there's just so much chicanery out there. And it's just like, wow, nothing has really changed since yeah. like we really have learned nothing from like, you know, the crash of 2008. Sure. Or, so, uh, you know, 
you know, buckle your seatbelts <laughs> or buy or form a SPAC. Yeah, form a SPAC. It makes some not? money, baby. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to take a quick break? And then yeah, come let's back take to a quick main, break because uh, I have to pee. Topic? Okay, let's cool. do it, man. Boom, boom, boom. Ready, baby. Um, okay, so here we are again, fellas, fellettes. Um, we've got some stuff to talk about. We need to talk. We need, we need to, to talk, talk about Amazon. Mac, don't knock your fucking wine glass over again, dude. Don't put it there. <laughs> Mac's in trouble. Jonah, keeping me. Uh, I'm keeping him honest. Keep, yeah, keeping me honest. With his, At the with future his, is out studio with his max stemware with our stemware max said oh let's get stemware for the futures out studio i found these really beautiful like crystal glasses i was like all right all right you promise and then anyway so um it's amazon they're at it again wouldn't you know it god bless them amazon they're doing bad things to the people who work for them and i know it's hard to believe um What's going on? Do you want to give us a rundown? What's what's cracking? I'm seeing on our notes gamification and meat robots. <laughs> Two things you love to hear together. Two things you love to hear, um, just in general, yeah. Yeah, so basically a lot of like in route here, but there's an article that was, um, we're basing this off of a Verge article, but there's articles all over the place about this, um, that for Amazon warehouse workers, they've essentially employed this like gamification technique that monitors how employees like how efficiently they like pack their you know your 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 packages and like kind of they do their daily job and they're measuring that against like each other and okay but sorry sorry is that because don't they always do that like they always well they're always monitoring the the employees but they have this the way it's it's set up is from what i understand it it's 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 in it replicates itself as like a sort of like as a video game but your score so your points are like how well you do at your job compared so they're like to in like Fortnite, and they're like fragging yes. their coworkers by like stuffing more like uh bed sheets exactly and, uh, shower curtains yeah you get a high score by like you know getting better cheddars like faster than jose like across from you <laughs> yeah yeah um, who has like a back problem yeah, you're and he cr- can't quite he <laughs> yeah. can't quite keep up so yeah it's you're his fucking loss. Uh, you're fucking owning a d uh who's someone's grandma yeah and her her sciatica and you're just dunking on her getting, <laughs> getting mega power-ups <laughs> but yeah i would encourage you guys to read about this but the program if you want to call it that is called like fc games what is fc I'm not sure what FC stands it's for. Like it's like football club. Yeah, it's like football club of Amazon, but it's like a it's 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 it replicates a video game and as the Verge article notes, it's like if you get like high scores, you can like cash out essentially with like digital dolphins or dinosaurs or other like what little do you mean, what is that? Little characters. They're like your trophies. Oh, oh, like in WoW, like pets or yeah. whatever in like World of Warcraft. And they're like they don't from what we understand, they don't really have like actually monetary value but they're just (laughs) as far as we know (laughs) now this is this could still yeah but they do not redound to a higher paycheck but it's like it's like a way to like um if you know anything about like the amazon warehouse jobs right 
they they suck right it's like they pay relatively well compared to other jobs but you're doing like really repetitive work all day long you're stacking boxes you're moving things around you're working alongside robots and this was like a way for amazon to like increase their efficiency and like make people more engaged which like (laughs) ironically actually some of the people like workers themselves have like been interviewed and they like the gamification technique well, because yeah, it's like I, their job sucks not... so much that it's like this is a way for them to like be a little bit more have like some like some reason to do it see this is a thing too and, and like yeah because like i'm sure like if i was doing this type of work like and like dude when i was did do like fucking when i was like a dishwasher i remember mm-hmm. when i was a kid i would like come up with shit in my head to be like oh like how fast can i blast the fucking uh yeah pasta sauce off this dish <laughs> you know it's like you that's a natural human tendency to right. like want to gamify stuff and like i don't think it's like in itself evil because it does seem like it's not like they're like you have to you have to collect like 50 orange rings <laughs> you know or you're gonna lose your job it's like it is clearly like oh it's elective it's for fun i mean everything else isn't and you will lose but your you job but you could lose your job yeah well, yeah but yeah but the challenge. game aspect of it is purely like oh look we're making it fun but I mean, it, it just seems like yet another way to abstract away the misery inherent in the job because of how hard it is and how dehumanizing it is. Instead of addressing it, is like here's like another layer of like ether for you. So like when you're not, it's like, hey, look, are you like breaking your back at work and having like you know, you know, like uh, stressing anxiety and like because of quotas you can't meet and. Right meeting keeping pace with the robot courier that like you know is like you're basically is driving you like a horse like don't worry you're actually not at work you're playing a game like this is all a game it's just like very creepy i mean it's super weird and it's like yeah if i were doing that maybe i wouldn't mind yeah like having it be gamified but it's like it's clearly like meant to to obfuscate and like deflect Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I think it's like worth bringing up some other like details because like you said like on its own like just the fact that you have a gamified system like you know for example like we have like like Duolingo which I use sometimes or like uh, or like my fitness tracker Man, they're work, gamified though. like and they're not necessarily bad but yeah they're not work and Are there not... examples of the work of like this type of thing in like jobs that you can think of I'm sure I can't think of but I know there are like that that is like a big a big thing like I can't name an example right now but that has been a a push in like years well I know the other Amazon thing was like remember it was like for like if you're like old like old people you can like do the Amazon app and get like five cents at a time for like answering questions and stuff right like the mechanical Turk it is yeah it was mechanical, well, mechanical Turk, Turk is gamified thing. though too because you do get like points the, kind of the whole thing is a game but it's also amazon it's just like <laughs> yeah yeah anyway but, sorry you, but yeah you but the reason why it's like yeah on itself it's not so bad but when you look at like if, spoiler alert like this is gonna this part of the episode is gonna talk a lot about just like the relationship amazon has with like its warehouse workers who by the way in alabama are voting to unionize right now yeah um a couple things right is that like basically the thesis here that we're outlining and we're and a lot of people have talked about is that amazon is turning these workers into like pseudo robots and there's a lot of context here that supports this right where it's like one you gamify them to the case where it's like you are just like doing these autonomous these like laborious tasks sort of like unconsciously but two, there's a lot of hardware that Amazon uses. Like, for example, workers at these warehouses have wristbands that are wearables that, 
you know, if you get too close to a certain object you're not supposed to get to, they buzz you. And so you just like instinctively know not to go somewhere. Or like during COVID, they've had like they've used AI cameras linked with wrist wearables that can detect if you're too close to like another worker and they'll buzz you to make you not do it. They have like flashing lights that automatically appear to tell you which package to go towards. They have uh, other monitoring software that's employed throughout the warehouses to check for efficiency. So they can tell that like if you've slouched or have like some minor um, you know, decrease in efficiency, they can use that against you and they fired people off of that. All these things are to say that it's that for like years, Amazon has been using its tech and its tools to turn these people into what I would argue is like essentially a robot without the without the tech aspect of it, right? Right, because contrast it to like other stuff, like before, like I don't know, like I've worked some jobs and shit, and it's like I worked a job, like, you know, I've been like dishwasher, for instance, like I mentioned, like that's a job that a robot could do. I mean, literally, machines do it. Yeah. I have one in my apartment. It's right. a dishwasher, and it's just like, but you know. You can do it in such like I never had to do dishwashing in such a way where they're like, okay, you need to be doing like you know twenty large dishes every every forty five seconds and mm-hmm. like you know like it was never like a, a machine input and therefore it made this like shitty job sort of acceptable and fine. So I'm like, I can listen to music, I can like do it on my pace. Like if I get if I like work hard for a couple minutes, I can then like you know. I can like I know the rhythm of the job and like I know like oh like a bunch of dishes just went out right so I'm gonna have pans that I'm gonna need to scour which takes a huge which is a bitch and sucks I'm gonna have to do that in like 15 minutes so like right now I can go out and like smoke a cigarette you know what I mean and it's like that's the type of job where it's like okay I'm doing something that sucks but I'm like kind of in control of how I'm doing it and I feel like it's like me doing a job when you're just like hitting benchmarks like you're just like playing like uh what's the game like the the what's the like classic uh, uh arcade game where they're like space invader okay yeah, yeah. sorry I, I i had to think of space invader but like i think that is a huge difference like it's like over same pay same whatever like being mm-hmm. feeling like you are entrusted to do a job and you can do it in the way that makes sense to you um it's very different from having it be, yeah, like like you said, just turning yourself into like you're a physical, you're like a biological cog in right. this machine, you know. And and and, and so there's this there's like been a. Do you mind if I, oh sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah you're good, you're good. Um, there's a there's a term like that's been used in the past in like you know especially like when this type of thing, this type of symbiosis was coming into uh coming into the fore, which is like the centaur, i.e. Mm-hmm. like part human part machine like uh um cooperation right um and the whole but the point was always that like you know i think it was gary kasparov the chess guy right. who whose point was about like you know a, a a computer that has this like raw computing power that can obviously like calculate chess you know chess outcomes in a much much more efficiently and much more accurately than like a human could ever hope to in, in any given period of time but like its raw computing power is sort of dumb like it mm-hmm. it doesn't have it it can't sense nuance it can't like you know it's thinking of things in these very rote terms and therefore you have a human directing it right and that's like this the centaur notion obviously right. you know like human horse and human like or human and beast and what a lot of people have now been like in, in taken to describing amazon's facilities and other such similar things although amazon really is the leader in this 
of as like reverse centaurs where like the computers in the in or or the machines such as they are are really the ones calling the shots sure. and humans are just being like drug al- drug along by a leash and you see this with like these like um these like bin robots that are like cr- you know they come to people and then that you have to like pack that you have to pack whatever they bring you by by such and such time and it's really like it's 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 instead of being like oh we'll trust like humans like sort of like clever ability to like i don't know to synthesize lots of data at once and like make make on the fly decisions and trust them it's like the opposite right like humans are just like literally like you said they're like the meat robots yeah. that just do shit when we tell them and how we tell them right and that's obviously not fucking good for workers on several levels yeah. um no you're 100% right but it is a thing where if anyone doesn't know there's tons of quote robots both physical robots and software that does the job of humans deployed throughout Amazon's facilities already right and like you were saying they kind of call the shots and humans are there as a as a cheap robot essentially just to like watch them you know or like to or to, yeah. or, or to like as this like book i'm going to mention in a second there um as this book i'm going to mention in a second to fill the gaps um i was you know in anticipation of this i've been reading uh, a book by kevin roos um he's a new york times writer called future proof and it's basically just about like the coming automation trend and how this all works. And he had a really instructive way of breaking things down, which is that there's, you know, on a scale of like zero to 10, with zero being completely human work and 10 being completely automized things like your dishwasher, for example, there's many different gradients. And he breaks Interesting. In- that's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting way of like yeah, thinking about it. It's fascinating. Of- and one of the, he has like different categories for each. And one of them is called machine managed jobs. And this is where he links. Amazon into which is essentially what it is it's where the the majority of the work and the management is done by machines and humans like we said before are there to like fill the gaps mm-hmm. and um he puts Amazon in this like specifically the warehouse workers in this place but he also puts like gig workers so like Uber drivers um task rabbit people dude it's all part and parcel of the same like fleshy same thing yeah. right because the is the and also he puts like content moderators for facebook and Twitter. basically to fit in this category as he explains it is that all of these companies whether it's amazon uber or facebook those jobs their goal right in the near future is for eliminating them, totally them yeah. yeah the the only reason that humans are there is like essentially to train their future their replacements, replacements. Yeah. yeah exactly which is the ai or like the new robots and um and like you were saying the dynamic is completely switched where it's like that rather than you know what we were all promised right yes, this is like for totally. the future is out we were promised that robots and ai and all this make our lives so much us. easier yeah and serve we us. are serving them <laughs> in these them, cases yes. which is like completely fucked and then i'll give this last <laughs> yeah, like little is. excerpt of this because i think it's instructive and then we can talk about it. um but like so he 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 looks at all this and Kevin Roos does, and he looks at like some sort of examples from the past about how this has worked, and um, he points to like this in Ohio. It's a town in Ohio, Lordstown, right? Lordstown yeah. in Ohio. It was one of the. It was a General Motors facility. Yeah, there. the GM plant. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the first, like, it was like the big. It was like one of the first really automized, like ro- robot automized GM plants, and you know everyone thought that the employers thought that it was going to make life easier because it got rid of 
shitty, dangerous jobs. Mm-hmm. But really, what it ended up doing with like a lot, a lot of the workers' testimonial was that it made life harder because there was more expectations for efficiency and more quotas. Yeah, to because meet you're all now being held to the standard of a machine. Exactly, <laughs> and your output is increased. And this is, and in the in the in the process of that, like people become you start to feel kind of like a machine. And this is, this, Grant, this is from the 80s, and this is a quote from one of the workers um, at the time. I'm going to read it in full because I think it's instructive. And he says, quote, um, you do it, the work, automatically, like a monkey or a dog would do something as by conditioning. You feel stagnant. Everything is over and over. It seems like you're just going to work, and your whole purpose in life is to do this operation, and you come home, and you're so tired from working the hours trying to keep up with the line you feel you're not making any advancement whatsoever. This makes the average individual feel sort of like a vegetable. And I think that it's like yeah. robot or vegetable. Like, what's the difference, right? It's like you, your humanity is being stripped away by just like, I think saying conditioning is instructive because like when it's the same thing that's happening in the Amazon warehouse workers is where you're being said like, beep, beep, buzz, don't do this. Like, here's light, don't do this. It's like, yeah, essentially, you're like you're, you just turn your, you <laughs> turn your brain off. Like, how, like, in order to just get through the day without being pissed, you have to essentially turn off your humanity and your brain in order to, like, make get through the day. Yeah, you know? it's super bad. I think, yeah, I mean, that's something that I just think needs to be fought at all, at every turn. I right. Because it's just, like, work is one thing, and, like, yeah, people should, people, we work, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, this is, like, so insidious because it's just, like, okay, you know, if you were to ask me, like, okay, yeah, you can make people work longer, you can make them work harder, you can make them work for less money, but this is just, like, making the work itself, like, devoid of any meaning. And, like, already that's true. Like, a lot of people, they're, like, oh, I don't, my job sucks. It's, like, a bullshit job, you know? Um, But this is just, like, even taking, like, the time you have to do when you're at work like it's hollowing out the actual thing it's like that's like the last resort you know what i mean it's right. just like imagine it's just like oh fuck i have to go to work and it's just like oh guess what it's like that's like thinking like oh i have to go to work when you're at work you know what i mean well so <laughs> it's i guess like you don't even get yeah. to do you don't even get to go to work i guess like like in these situations though right where it's like specifically we're talking about these type of jobs where you're essentially like the the, the clock's ticking right and like yeah. it's about to be taking over like what's the for you right like what's the alternative here because like Roos gives like his prognosis is essentially like try to like do the opposite which is like do the things that make you human but at a certain level though it's like there's only so many jobs that are going to be able to do that I mean like work in journalism and even like journalism jobs are being like a lot of things are being used like scripts are able to like do the same thing so like what what do you do? You know what, what I mean? What do you like, do? What's... I mean, yeah, I mean there's not much to do on other than I think like rem- like limiting the limiting the power that like, you know, corporations have to um to just like yeah, denude work of all meaning. I mean, and I I think that comes in the form of just like I mean, granted I do think this is like this is what capitalism gives us because it's just like you just it's like it's like search it's like it's like capitalism is just like a you're like you're like a fucking drug addict you're searching you're like ripping the cushions of your couch open for profit and it's just right. like eventually it's just like when all's well and good like when you have a stash like of money of profit to be made you're chilling you're feeling good but when like things are lean like you're starting to go nuts and you're like right. yeah you're like cutting open the fucking 
pockets of your pants and stuff to just like look for a dime and like you know i think that's the way that this is sort of playing out which is just like how can we extract more and more profit from any given thing and it will just continue to go this way until you have like i mean i don't know you can slice it a thousand different ways and you could propose a bunch of different solutions but there has to be a solution to to what we have now like you can't have companies having the autonomy and the and the license to just like you know turn to just like strip work of all dignity and like make people you know i mean amazon is such a bad offender and it makes them a perfect example in this case because like this was in 2011 where they got in trouble for like hiring ambulances to come wait outside of their facilities for people to just pass out and like fucking fall over and flop over and die um because they know like and so you asked me like what's the solution like the Bessemer plant in Georgia or in Alabama that's unionizing, like that's a good solution saying like you can't treat workers this way. And like, because we'll bargain collectively to just like, you know, we'll withhold our labor from you until you don't. I mean, that's like, that is a stop. I mean, I don't know. It's not like, will it work? You know, is the question, I mean, like, it probably won't, but it's like, that's like the type of thing that needs to happen. And it is inspiring. Like that people are like turning to unions and stuff like that again. Yeah. Potentially, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like, I hope that it works out, but it is of like course. I think there's it's it's one of these situations where you can look at it from like glass half full, glass half empty. Where it's like it's inspiring that there's actually like a union vote now, but you can also look at it from the other <laughs> the glass half empty, which is that like there's been one union vote in the history of Amazon. That's and not it's exactly like probably true. Not, I mean, well, there have been no. There's been like votes? sporadic. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of specific and and monumental. For what it is but there has been like union there's been like local efforts to unionize right. the amazon facilities well, okay but even with that i though, mean i take your point i'm, I'm worried i guess like my cynical side <laughs> is that i'm worried that like let's say the vote does go through there and like they, they vote yes amazon is at a point specifically amazon but i think you can make a case for a lot of just like the, the conglomeration of like walmart and like other like like bigger tech companies too is that like if you do have a union vote there, these companies are so big that they can just say we're not going to do business with you anymore, you know? And it's like they just like no, but that's down not that how warehouse. it works. No, but that's sort of different. I mean, like because once you have a recognition, I mean, there's like, I mean, that is like explicitly illegal. Like if you say like a union votes, like if they vote to form a union and it and it succeeds, it is illegal, and like you can't just like close the factory. I mean, you couldn't like do a layoff and saying you're cutting costs for whatever. Under labor law, that is illegal. I mean, that's not to say that like, I mean, shit like that does happen. I do think this is high profile enough and it's a large enough case that I don't think Amazon could get away with doing that. And I think it'd be like the same organizational structure that that led to that led the union drive would take them to task. And I think, you know, for doing that, because like retaliation for performing a a union is illegal under like under our labor law and that's what like the national labor review board exists for like is to like what the nlrb um they exist to do that um but who knows yeah i mean like yeah i mean it also it does seem like a david and goliath thing right but as some people have pointed out i mean the plant that's unionizing in Mm -hmm. alabama and it is like coming close i mean they have like it very well may happen like they may well unionize their shop which would be the first like you said, the first Amazon warehouse ever to the unionize. Joe Biden saw that Amazon was trying to Bo Jiden, was yeah. trying to like intimidate the, the 
the workers from voting, and he said, "Don't do that." He said, "Hey, Mac, listen, listen <laughs> Mac, like, don't do that." <laughs> listen, when I was a pool guard, uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, but let yeah. me let me Thanks. ask you. Before no, but, we move I just want to say yeah. the one one last thing before we move on, or before you say something, and then we move on. <laughs> which was that this is Bessemer, Alabama, like, right. and it's like if they do it, that sets a huge precedent. That's like absolutely that's yeah. like fucking you know that's like winning against the best team in the league you know right. i mean in terms of labor suppression like alabama is one of the most i mean it's a bloodbath there for fucking labor rights for it's a right unionization to work of course yeah so like... it's like if they can win there i think there's been some pro- prognostication that seems valid to me that like it will set off a chain of people just taking that playbook and running with it in the states that are where it's much easier to uh to get this type of 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 like unionization done sure so it could be like a watershed thing i mean i don't you know you i, I fingers crossed and much solidarity to those to those people um but we'll see what happens yeah, yeah. well definitely and we should have the results in a couple of weeks we'll see how yeah. it happens but the reason why like before we move on i like in a more we're talking about amazon and amazon's very instructive but in the general sense of like this hyper hyper maximalizing like your life and like every like filling in the gaps everywhere with like sort of turning yourself into a robot Mm -hmm. i what is i wonder what that means in like your personal life because obviously like i'm fortunate enough to work in a job where it's like i still have to like use like some human ingenuity but in my personal life just as a person that interacts with the internet and with podcasts like this and with like news thrown at you all the time and with all these like pressures to like be the best person you can be a lot of times I feel like there's, I have to like grapple with that myself of just like, am I really like doing things myself or am I being like programmed as like a robot for all these like different you know, incentives? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, as Parquet Courts once asked, do I pass the Turing test? Yeah. Do I think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for sure. And it's part, I mean, I think that's, a, it's, it makes sense that you would feel that way because it is part of the whole system. I mean, right. we all live under, you know, I mean like, yeah. You know, I understand. <laughs> Excuse my preaching, but like, you know, I I do think that this type of worldview is broadly correct in the sense that like we live under an economic system that just is like w- is ravenous, like in terms of monetizing everything. It is and ought to be monetized, and it's very hard to not construe things in like through that lens. And like, I actually read another. I was reading something today about how like you know especially the pandemic was such an interesting thing because it just like stripped all of a sudden it just like threw a fucking spanner in the works of this this like thing of this pro of like everyone's you're always working you're hustling you're grinding and all of a sudden there was just like there's nothing you can do it's just like stay home do nothing and like that was so weird and like for me i have to say like i felt amazing for the first two weeks or two months of of the pandemic because i just felt like everything was i mean obviously like i feeling bad and grieving for all of the death around me and there was a lot and that was really horrible and vile and regrettable and sad preventable in the and preventable 100 percent. but as far as like my specific life was concerned it was just like the first time that i was able to just like wake up in the morning and like not feel either like i had to do something to like work and hustle or if i wasn't doing that then i felt bad about it i was just like it was literally just like, what if like life was like, you know, the, the necessities of life were paused or whatever. So I just sort of do something. I take that in stride and I guess I agree with that to, to a, to a extent, but like, I guess my, my qualm with that is like, 
you mentioned like our drive like to monetize i noticed that like with my i'm just speaking for myself a lot of the things of like contributing to that feeling i was mentioning before of being automized will be shit that's like not about necessarily like my career or money it's things about like i'll feel bad that like i'm not reading like a like something completely unrelated that's to work the that, point, that i'm though, not like becoming the fucking... like the best i'm not going to the gym that's exactly or it's like i didn't it, talk though. to my like parents like the way that like they say that you're supposed to do on like some like tv show that you yeah, watch but that's where exactly like, you the know point I mean? like, like everything no but everything monetary. is like right but it's not monetary monetizing stuff it's like it's not that like oh it's all for money but it is all about optimizing yourself like self-optimization yeah be your best you Yes, that, thing, that right. is a fucking very neoliberal like concept of just like you know it's not like any even time spent reading like reading a book is like i'm improving myself right. like i'm and not just like you know that's so perverse like that's like how you would talk about like a a, a business you were running not your own person like there's this like it's very divorced from just like i don't know living life and for the sake of just like you know pleasure and and wonder and and like interest and stuff it's just like all about like i'm like honing myself into this like perfectly sharp blade to like you know have a to like slice through the market or isn't that part of that though like preference though because like if you have if you like if you have like i get enjoyment for example of like knowing that i know more than i did in the past right more than i do of like existing in the world you know like yeah so do i but it's a question of like doing it because you want to do it or doing it because you feel like you owe it to some sort of like uh, uh, you owe it to, uh, you know, yourself to compete. I mean, listen, it's it's for everyone to decide. But in my, I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that like people didn't used to like read or do art or do stuff like this because they felt like they were competing with like everyone else who was doing the same thing um, or at least like proving their value on some type of market, be it this explicitly monetary or social or like mediated through social media i mean whatever i'm not i'm not shitting on anyone who i mean we all take part i certainly do i mean we're doing this fucking podcast for christ's sake but and like plugged into that framework but um i just think it is it does sort of denude like the beauty and like the sort of interesting and like the weird evanescent strangeness of life that um is like sort of can be there right to make it like you're always hustling or like how can like you turn this like you know like hiking trip you're on into like something good for your brand and shit like right. that i mean that's like clearly the the trend and i find right. that to just be utterly toxic and like i don't want that at all yeah i agree i mean on the flip side though there's like this is all like very philosophical and conceptual so i'm sorry like listeners but yeah and i have to talk I, about lenin still yeah but i do think there's like it just makes me wonder generally right because it's like at the other end like the counter point to that which is like the the live like free and like be removed from this is also something that's super targeted and like manufactured as an identity as no well, it's not right? yeah if like, you consider it an identity and i'm not saying being like a live freed person like ah yeah i'm like i'm i'm like wanderlust it's just like re like doing things and like finding value and stuff for yourself or like in other people and like having community and like i don't know like finding some genuine purpose in life that isn't just like yeah maximizing your your brand and stuff because like yeah certainly you can anything can be subverted to the brand you know Mm -hmm. and that's like i'm not a fucking wanderlust person 
um, that I'm like, you know, here I am in the Guatemalan mountains vibing <laughs> and doing art with my cohort and my poly. Like, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. But, like, that's why it's like, you need to remove things from that marketized concept of like, is this, is this working? Is this like doing me good? Right. Like, and is this advancing my, my status and like my, my prospects and like, do it for the sake of doing it. Like that's for the sake of it, making you feel good. I mean, like that's something that is like, sounds simple and dumb and gaga, but it's like, when's the last time you really like, I don't know. It's like, I, I thought for me, like, I don't, I haven't done anything for that reason in a long time that I'm not right. like, Oh, this can like play into like my long game about like being this type of person or whatever. It's like it's very poisonous. Anyway, I want to talk about. I mean, this isn't. This was a cool and interesting tangent. I want to bring some some quick history to us before we close out today. Yeah. Um, because we were talking about the whole like Amazon thing, obviously, and the Taylorism, and um the fact the fact that like Amazon workers are having like uh, technology attached to their wrists and like, you know. <laughs> having like their productivity measured like you know like farm animals um and i wanted to just like do a quick callback i mean to a a phenomenon that's always interested me um which is scientific management or taylorism which you may be familiar with um if you've ever like you know learned about or read about like turn of the century factories and shop floors and stuff um it's named and 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 i think it's like it's 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 interesting to sort of talk about the history of it because it's just like amazing how present it is right now Mm -hmm. and the shit that happened 100 years ago with predictable results um or rather results that may or may not have been predictable but we can predict them now because they already happen um (laughs) so maybe we can predict what's gonna happen (laughs) um when, when we start doing the same things again but basically, yeah, I mean, I'll keep it short, but Frederick Taylor was like this shop floor dude in, not shop floor, he was a rich boy, he was a fancy lad in um, uh, the late 19th century in like the 1880s, who went to work for the steel company in Philadelphia, and he became a foreman, like the guy who was just ordering all the workers, like over overseeing them, um, and he saw that they were all being kind of like, you know, lackadaisical, so he was like, what if basically, I mean, his premise was like, if if like banging out a piece of steel requires like these like 15 different processes what if we broke them all down into like the smallest rudimentary lego parts that they could be and then just time how much that takes and right. therefore you would have like a scientific empirical measure against which every worker every fucking guy who drifts through this plant can be measured okay i mean he's not wrong like That's, early data analysis pretty much exactly yeah and um and so you know, this type of, he did this and the shop that he was managing improved in, in efficiency um, pretty dramatically. And before long, this type of scientific management became, you know, um, very in vogue in a lot of like uh, uh, American industrial centers and in a, in a lot of industries. Um, but um, as you can expect, this is the type of thing we were just talking about earlier with Amazon. I mean, mm-hmm. like you'll hear the echoes. Like people had no control over their work anymore. I mean, and this was in like the late 1880s. Like this was still when like people just like you would just drink all day. Right. You just like drink while you were working. You'd smoke. You'd hang out. You'd like. I mean, I'm not saying you'd play cards. I mean, people did fucking work and work their ass off. But like, you know, there was a lot more of like the workers sort of like we have our way of doing things and we'll do it. And we'll like, we'll meet whatever quotas are demanded of us and like within a reason. 
but there was a more autonomy, you know? It wasn't like this, like the clock in, clock out, HR. So much less shit, too, like in terms of things to make. You know what I mean? Like there was so much less demand from like people, people wanting things. Yes and no. I mean, there was a huge amount of demand, though, for a lot of stuff. I mean, especially when you consider that like this is a country that's industrializing in real time. I mean, yeah, yeah, certainly like there's fewer people and like but also work was less efficient. I mean, there wasn't machines and stuff. So a lot of like that's true. There were people, you know, I mean, not saying like people were chilling, (laughs) but like even when people like, you know, I mean. Triangle Shirtwaist Factory, for instance, which was like those girls in near our near NYU where we went to school who died, um, in in horrific fashion from being locked into their uh their like their building when they were sewing. You know, I think as I understand it, you know, uh, that fire was caused by a cigarette butt. Interesting. Which is like it's sort of an interesting little thing because it's like you could smoke a cig while you were also being, uh, you know exploited and like turned yeah. into grease for, for labor you know i mean this is an interesting little little ballyhoo but anyway i mean i wanted to keep talking about the the taylorism thing um because this essentially became very popular um and this was like became it, it, frederick taylor's method of just being like every single swing of the hammer every single you know, every single like twist of the wrench is can be quantified as a single entity, as a single process that takes X time, 0.4 seconds. Mm-hmm. And therefore, when you add them all together, you can establish how much a worker needs to be ought to be doing right. in an ideal sense per day, per hour, per minute. And therefore, like you can just hold them to a very specific account. Right. Um, and Whereas so before, like, right, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, if someone was quote like slacking off the job, there's no way to really know that, right? There wasn't yeah, like a good really. way. Of, there wasn't like a good way of like on paper being able to judge it against what was quote efficient. Certainly right? not. Be, there was no empiricism. And Frederick Taylor noted a phenomenon that he called soldiering, which was essentially that like whatever the whatever the baseline was, mm-hmm. workers would do just that. They would do just enough to like not you know, get fired. I mean, bear in mind, this is also a time like people aren't living high on the hog. Like in the late 1800s, early 20th century, people are getting paid. People are working 12 hour days and they're making like the equivalent of like fucking, uh, you know, $200 a week. If that, like it's, it's not exactly like a, 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 a swell situation, but soldiering was a thing in the sense that if you get conscripted into an army, you're going to fucking be a soldier. Um, insofar as you have to and not get lined up against the wall and shot but also i mean you're not going to be the suckers going the extra mile right. when it comes to like storming the next guy's trench because why the fuck would you do that mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's sort of the that was sort of the attitude for a lot of workers because it's like yeah i'm getting my money it's barely enough to keep me alive why would i be going above and beyond right um and so by breaking it down into piecework um, like you get paid per like little bit of iron that you sp- that you bang out every day. That got that was a way of like sort of making uh putting an incentive behind a worker to work harder. Right. Um, which in a way is sort of progressive because it means like oh you're in, you you can you can work for what you earn. Right. Um, but ultimately it's in service of like the the of this of the company and not the worker. Um, and I want to read now just a quick quote. This is from a. Uh, American economist and labor historian Robert Hoxie, who was writing a report in 1916 to the Commission on Industrial Relations. 
essentially just giving the straight dope to this government commission of saying like what how does this how does this shit work like mm-hmm. what's the what's the you know like what what's the word on this and this is what he wrote talking about taylorism which is you know not to uh not to beat a dead horse this is like something that we've identified as sort of coming back in vogue in places like amazon and, right. and so forth just to just to preface with that but mm-hmm. quote it intensifies the modern tensity tendency towards specialization of the work and task displaces skilled workers and weakens the bargaining strength of workers through specialization of the task and destruction of the craft skill it leads to overproduction and the increase of unemployment it looks upon the worker as a mere instrument of production and reduces him to a semi-automatic attachment to the machine or tool it tends to undermine the worker's health shortens his period of industrial activity and earning power and brings on premature old age so this is an economist talking to the u.s government essentially about you know how these things go in 1916 and here we are 100 years later and like uh, all of these a lot of these things are, are still coming to pass um or even more so or even more ways. so yeah yeah um, and I guess I, I, I did promise you guys some Lenin and I do give me <laughs> this, that Lenin, <laughs> give me that, give me that straight Lenin, Vladimir Lenin, who was active during the time that, uh, you know, Taylorism was sort of really coming in vogue in the U S and like there were a lot of like Russian, a lot of Bolsheviks were paying a lot of attention to the U S cause it was this like revolute, like this sort of, uh, industrial dynamo and like that type of like output and productive capacity was really seductive and interesting. Right. Um, so Lenin like sort of looked on and he wrote an article for Pravda, the like the Bolshevik newspaper, okay. um, uh, like r- just before and after the, the Russian revolution in 1917. How do you like, how old was Lenin at that time? Is he like a young uh, lad? He, yeah. He wasn't a young lad. I think in 19, like 16 or 1914, when this article was written, he would have been like 28. Okay. Cool. So like kind of near our age about like he wasn't like a like an old adult, you know. No, yeah, point. yeah. He wasn't like an old and a stodgy old motherfucker. Or no. Um sorry, I was completely wrong. He was forty four, but nonetheless. Okay. Um <laughs> But he wrote a um I mean he was paying close attention and you I think you mentioned something about like earlier when we were talking about Amazon, like attaching like like smartwatches and stuff. Yeah. So here's a quote from Lenin's article in Pravda in 1914. Quote, an electric lamp was attached to a worker's arm. The worker's movements were photographed and the movements of the lamp studied. Certain movements were found to be, quote, superfluous, and the worker was made to avoid them, i.e. to work more intensively without losing a second for rest. That's crazy. That's so crazy. That's literally like, <laughs> it's like, oh, weird. It's like that's precisely like down to the body part that's being, you know. It's like I didn't know Bezos was a Bolshevik. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not a Bolshevik, but he certainly got their attention. Um, and I just want to read a little bit more because he just like goes into some of the specifics of like what this meant for workers. Um, and like I don't, I'm not trying to get too like red fucking scare rah rah commie shit but i mean it's just an interesting historical document if nothing else you don't have to believe in anything that you know vladimir lenin ever had to say although i think you know he had some points but as a as a historical document i mean it's quite interesting i mean so here's more here's another um thing that he sort of observed from his um study of the taylorist system in the united states he said you know um and I'm sort of paraphrasing here, but a mechanic's operations were filmed in the course of a whole day. 
After studying his movements, experts provided him with a higher bench to enable him to avoid losing the time in bending down, and he was given an assistant who would hand him up a part of the machine in a definite and efficient way. Within a few days, the mechanic performed the work of assembling the given type of machine in one-fourth the time it had taken. Mm. I mean, so that's fucking cool. Like, yeah. that's efficiency, baby. Like, right. you make that he doesn't have to bend over. He doesn't have to reach down. It's, you're, you're greasing the skids. Everything's working better. Um, but, <laughs> and this is now to quote Lennon again, what an enormous gain in labor productivity, but the worker's pay is not increased fourfold, but only half as much again, and at the very most, and only for a short period. For as soon as the workers get used to the new system, their pay is cut to the former level. Um, and this is sort of like the dynamic where like this efficiency is gained, but it's not passed down. Right. Um, and like not, yeah, again, like I just think that in- indicates that puts the lie to like the fact that like efficiency and modernization and robots and all of these things that we've talked about on this whole show aren't fucking bad. They're good. But it's like, who are they being like, you know, in service of whom? Right. And, like, I don't know. That's the stuff that I get all riled up about. Yeah. Well, I think if I could just, like, one little thing is, like, to hanker on that, because I know, like, some people have listened to us think we're just, like, all negative. It's a good point, because, like, there is, like, the original promise of, like, I'm just speaking from what I I am versed in, which is, like, the original promise of, like, why we should autonomize more things. Not necessarily bad, right? It's that, like, you will be able to, like, perform more meaningful work because like you'd have to do less of like the the drudgery like the drudgery that's involved in like data entry for example and like that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just that it has not worked out that way right like i'm as a writer right like i am so glad on a daily basis that like i use google docs right and it's like sure all of the inefficiencies of like having to print out a document and like work it through with an editor or something that takes hours it's like you don't have to do that because you can just leave a comment. Things like that, they are they are good. Like they are absolutely good, but it's not. It comes at a cost, right? Everything comes at a cost. Yes, absolutely. And this is the thing. Like you know, I'm bringing up a graph right now, which is from the U.S. Bureau of Labor S- Statistics, and this is sort of to your point, which is that you know, since 1974. Compared to 2012, like labor productivity, i.e., every hour of work that a worker puts in in a general way is earning how much money is like, you know, how much, how many dollars are being squirted out of every fucking work hour. Right. It's gone up from, you know, it's gone up essentially fivefold since the mid 70s. And pay is not followed, you mm-hmm. know, and that's like this thing that you know, good old Vlad Lenin was harping on and he's not wrong. Like these things are cool. Like these, these, these robots and like these technological advancements and all of this stuff is amazing. And it can be used for such a proper and like exciting end. Right. But it's just like clear that it's only being used to make certain, a few, a few people richer and making like, you still have, you know, poor grannies and shit like dropping dead in these warehouses and it's i don't know there's all types of obfuscation and there's like all types of ways to be like well actually if you look at this and like right but like you can't i don't know there are some inescapable basic facts that i feel like i I no one has been able to explain to me adequately yeah um and i would like to see something change you know well like even like and i like you know we're talking about like what's the reasoning and like the philosophy behind a lot of this it's like even you know on an idealistic level 
from this is from my one semester of taking like a socialism course in like NYU. <laughs> when you, but like there's when, you, when Mac had his mandatory communism <laughs> class where they put where they, they gave him the Ludovico technique. Yeah, I, I signed up for it. But yeah, essentially, they thought you thought you did. Um, what's his name? Something. Um, Bert Bertolt something. Um, Bertolt Brecht. No, is he's a he's a professor at NYU, but he was very much on this um, um, this train of thought that like. A lot of like not a lot but a sizable amount of like socialist thinkers are on which is that like automation is a good thing because if you can make all jobs sort of like automized and like and you redistribute the gains made from that automation then people don't have to work like you can just right. like you can use that those gains and just let people have leisure time to do whatever they want because you distribute it but like this is the pro- problem right is that like we are we're we're doing one of those things which is that we're increasingly automizing and maximizing all this stuff but the groundwork for like how we shape our society isn't matched on with that so what you have instead is that you have all of this these gains just going towards like the people like the founders of these companies exactly right? and they and don't even fucking do anything good with it like they're they just form hoarding their wealth <laughs> yeah they they form <laughs> they form spacs and fucking nfts and they buy and go to mars yeah and, well yeah if honestly i would even give them credit at this point for going to mars because right now they're yeah they're doing spacs and they're doing nfts to buy like Ni- epic nyan cat gifts and like dude the other night i was reading about this idol this one of the oldest um, pieces of like human artwork ever discovered that was found in a bog in Russia. It's called the uh-huh. Shigir Idol, um, and it's I think at least I think it's like ten or twelve thousand years old. It's wow. a piece of wood, okay. and it's from like the Stone Age, like what like five thousand years older than the pyramids. Whoa. Um, and it's this like creepy thing. It's like this like screaming wooden face, like on top of this like proto totem pole, and like what was like now is like the Ural Mountains right after like as we were coming out of like the last major ice age. Wow. Super Russian if you're gonna have it that. is kind of and it's like <laughs> super metal and I just like, was like reading about it and just like staring at it and just feeling like oh my god like dude humanity stretches back so long and like there's so much stuff we don't know about and like think of all of the like in intrit or like research and like stuff that could be done to like learning more about like who we are and our history and our past and stuff and instead you just have like spacks and spacks fucking and taco bell and selling like fucking nft taco tacos. bell's fine but like you know <laughs> i love taco bell and but it's just like ah there's so much like think of how many people who are like would love to work on like a project like that of like you know archaeology right. or like yeah, i don't know learning more about the human our our existence and like why we're on earth and what people have been doing for the past fucking 25,000 years and instead there's just like yeah Jeff Bezos like getting 17 trillion parking tickets and paying them all off so he can like you know put a fucking infinity pool on his like parking spot or spend spend over 10 billion dollars on the world's most accurate clock which is a real thing the atomic clock it's just like uh, I don't know I feel you it's sort of it's like but that that's the thing I mean like to leave I guess people with like an optimistic note is like we have generated so much riches and like we could easily repurpose them and like become like really have a utopia like that's the thing i feel like sometimes like we could have a genuine utopia and it wouldn't even take it would take some major shifts but like not that like getting them done would be difficult but like it wouldn't even you know yeah it wouldn't require changing too much i'm less optimistic 
I know you are, but that's why I'm here. <laughs> and that's why Ray's here. Well, Ray is like, for those who don't know, he's the dog. As long yeah, as Ray's um, a big stinky dog. As long as he's got some trash, it's Utopia for him. So exactly. He's, which he's, uh... why don't you sit with that for a second? <laughs> um, shit, Mac. Um, what do you have anything else to add, or do you want to close it out? What do you say? I think that was. Uh, I think we hit on a lot of stuff. I mean, that was a good one. Um, I think so. Yeah. Um, got some good history in there, got some present, got some potential future. <laughs> yeah, um, we hit the big three. We hit, we hit the three. Um, no, it was good. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, whatever you guys are thinking about all this, it's, um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's an open discussion about just like, I know, apologies for earlier today getting like too, like personal and philosophical, but I think it is something that's Never worth considering on like, this is uh, our on, podcast, man. Yeah, we they make all, the rules. They can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care if anyone listens before to you go to hell though is like um subscribe but also after you subscribe <laughs> um it is something i don't know i find it instructive to be like we talk about amazon and we talk about Taylorism in the past but like it's affecting all of us too right like this like this we live in a society that does this and it's like i think it's worth thinking about like how do you relate to like just the world and what you do right absolutely and i mean that's why it's like I, I like thinking about old stuff and like stuff that's just like you know thousands of you know little or like societies and structures have risen and fallen and it's just like it is all pretty temporal and that's why it's right. cool to think like it doesn't have to be this way like you know um ursula Le Guin, god bless her said it's easy to easier to think of like the end of the world than it is to think of like the end of capitalism Mm -hmm. um but also like you know it's only a couple hundred years old um if that's your object that's my object i would like to live under a different system but it's cool a lot of stuff can still change and we are living in roiling times so who knows what might happen man um just keep your ears perked up and uh keep listening to the future is out how's that right if you uh if you're interested in the revolution hit up uh jonah at what's your twitter handle (laughs) oh yeah you can hit me at russian dealism russian (laughs) dealism you guys can um, uh, discuss and the we can talk about it. Yeah, not to get too lefty. I mean, I'm not trying to like hijack this, but um, this is how I feel, man. I just want to read about. I just want to do archaeology. I just want to look at old stuff. <laughs> that stuff's cool to me. Um, um, that's not very futuristic, but uh, you know. Well, once the AI overlords take over and they launch the nukes against us and we have to restart from the Stone Age, then That's true. it will be. You'll, you future. can talk to me. Come to me. Um, all right, Mac, do you want to call it for, for today and we'll 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 uh we'll pick it up next time? Yeah. Let's Sound do it. good? Sounds good. All right, man. Here's that high five on three, two. All right. Oh yeah. See ya. <laughs>